Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Small Business Talk podcast. My name is Cree Edholm, and on this podcast, my focus is on speaking with entrepreneurs and business owners and, and really talking about the stuff that we don't talk about a lot, um, all of the hard, challenging things. It's an opportunity for those who want to start a business or grow a business to uh, come here to learn from other entrepreneurs who are doing the thing. And today I am so excited to welcome Joy Hoover to the show. Hello, Joy. Hi. Thanks so much for having me. Absolutely. Now, our stories have crisscrossed all along the way. I think yep. we've we've been on the entrepreneurship journey together, which mm-hmm. uh, really bonded us. And I remember the first time I met you, you were looking for new office space. Yep. Uh, for a past venture. Uh-huh. And we met and two minutes later, you were in my car and we were overlooking at this new space. And I just remember <laughs> thinking, Joy's my people because <laughs> she's willing to just see an, a potential opportunity in front of her and she just jumps on it. And you know, in in uh, our relationship and me knowing you, that's, that's who you are. <laughs> for sure. But also sharing a dream to someone and a few minutes later, them going, jump in my car. Right? Let me show you this place. Like that also is rare too. And again, I think entrepreneurs just get each other. I don't think that it, it's, you know, like, um, I was sh- talking with this about, a, uh, with a couple of other entrepreneurs who was telling me like, Oh, I'm going to do this thing. And then I'm going to run for president. And both of uh, the other two female entrepreneurs are like, yeah, girl, let's do this. And then the other one was like, I love that about entrepreneurs. Like, we just get each other and nothing seems too big or too wild because like it all is possible to us. That's a really good point. And, and being able to see opportunity, right? Mm-hmm. When it, when it comes in front of you. Yep. And not having um, the, the doubts. I mean, we, we have the doubts, but we know how to push past them. <laughs> yeah. I have this, I have this way that I hand, that I kind of handle risk. I think a big part of being an entrepreneur is also being comfortable with risks to Absolutely. a certain point, right? Mm-hmm. And I think that's something that if if risk scares you and you want to be an entrepreneur or a business owner, I think that's something that a relationship to definitely explore and nourish a little bit Absolutely. because a lot of what we do is a risk mm-hmm. just to see what kind of happens on the other side. Because I don't know about you, but lots of times I'm putting stuff out there and I'm not quite sure. A hundred percent. Yeah. In my head, I don't see all the details that could go wrong. So it's like the, it's like the blessing and the curse, right? But of course, it's always like this could be amazing or it could fail miserably, but I'm willing to like step out and see. Right. Uh-huh. Yeah. You know, I have some other questions about that, but first of all, we should probably do an intro. Joy. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> so I take for granted, you know, we've just known each other for so long, but, um, Joy, you are in the business of helping others. Yes. That's how I view you and just your passion for other people. Um, you started a new venture a couple of years ago, and I think it's it's probably in everyone's best interest for you to describe what you're up to these <laughs> days, and then we'll go from there. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So I've been in Vegas for oh, almost 14 years in women's safety and 
just um, over two years ago, I founded SOS Cosmetics and it's spelled funny. It's spelled like my hat, E-S-O-E-S, but it's really all about covert safety. And what we're doing is we're using, we're combining beauty, science, and technology to create uh, the first ever patent issued smart safety cosmetic. And we can get more into what that is. Um, but yeah, it's been just about two years of this journey after this is my third startup and my first in what's called CPG, which is consumer product goods. So I've learned a lot. Um, and I'm just really excited to create some innovative solutions to fight the epidemic of drug facilitated sexual assault and violence, a problem that is ages and ages and ages old and we haven't we don't have any new innovative solutions to try to fight it and i'm not okay with that cuz i have two little girls that i'm raising in the world so yeah speaking of your two girls uh, let's touch on your family really quick because they yeah. are a part of this company in Absolutely. fact they have a t- they have titles they do have titles yeah. yes um my oldest is 10 her name is vivian and she is our chief kindness officer and my youngest is 6 and she is our chief fun officer she reminds us of that every day that she's there's a reason why she's the chief fun officer um and then my husband is my partner in business and life we've been together just 20 years just celebrate 18 years of marriage and um he's chief experience officer he's really like anything and everything detailed or back end that I forget. <laughs> he is uh, the glue that holds it all together. Yeah. I wouldn't say you forget it. I think that you have have plugged yourselves into your strengths. You're taking advantage of what you're both best at or all four of you really are best at, yep. right? Absolutely. Yep. Absolutely. And it and it's come naturally. Like we've built the other things together um, but it's funny because we're both in this full time, which we never were able to do with our other ventures. And I joke and say, I've always been looking for a partner like him. Like I, you know, searched for that for 11 and a half years in my other ventures to find someone who kind of stood alongside me the way he does and saw things before I saw them and, you know, all of the components that he fills in. And so it truly is a gift to do this together. Yeah. You know, and thinking about that, uh, what you do is something that you just, you have to be passionate about it. Definitely. Right? Yeah. And um, as business owners, I know for me and probably a lot of people listening, it's difficult to hire people who are as passionate about the brand and the causes you are. Mm-hmm. And I think that's kind of that gap that maybe Phil fulfills for the business. Yeah, absolutely. And not only that, I think oftentimes in helping professions and companies, people get into it for different reasons. And oftentimes those reasons are, I'm going to get into it to heal myself by helping other people heal. And what we know from, you know, 13, almost 14 years of doing this work that is that if you are not healed, you can't heal other people, right? Hurt people, hurt people, but healed people, heal people. And so thankfully after 11 over 11 years of therapy and us really digging in to do that very difficult work to face your pain, face your trauma and heal through it, not around it. We've really been able to come at this in a healthy way. Um, And I've worked with a lot of people that can do that. And I've worked with a lot of people that can't and haven't been able to. And that's a really hard thing to navigate. Yeah, 
Absolutely. And I think about your story. We're not going to get into this today in this conversation, but I do want to mention your family has experienced some tremendous tragedy. And for those who are interested in learning more about joy, I think there's, you know, that you've, you talk plenty about that. Um, mm-hmm. But that is kind of a part of who you are. And and uh, I love what you say about that healing portion of your work. And that's very important. SOS Cosmetics. How did this start? We we know that you have had a passion for human trafficking. And I know I'm using a, an umbrella term for what it is that you do. Yep. But you've that's the space you've been working in for quite some time now. And uh, how did you come up with this idea in the first place? Yeah. So, um, yeah, for 11 and a half years, we serve folks experiencing gender-based violence and trafficking and, you know, have that experience in our own family. And it was July of 2021. And I was frankly just pissed off that like the problem has not only gotten, it's not gotten better. And we are dumping tons and tons of money into fighting domestic and sexual violence, but it's actually getting worse by about 2.9% year over year. And so I was coloring with my, at the time, four-year-old Ruby and my kids always give good ideas. So I was like, what should we do next to help people, babe? How can we keep people safe? And she's like, well, you like lipstick, right? Mommy, I said, I do like lipstick. We're like coloring these little lipsticks. She's like, can we do lipstick next? And I don't know like why, but I just was like, maybe we can. So I literally took a few weeks to research what was in cosmetics that was, that had safety features. Like we all know about tasers. We all know about, um, pepper spray. And while those are amazing things, what I found in the work that I previously did is a lot of people don't feel comfortable carrying those things because they feel like they're going to use them on themselves. Um, and so I thought like, what could we do in cosmetics? And I was absolutely shocked that there was nothing that was safety cosmetics with safety features. In fact, so, so much so that we were able to get, um, apply for a patent in October. I reached out to a couple of friends of mine and they kind of shared um, a really great patent attorney's info. And I knew that if I was going to do this, and especially if there was nothing on the market that I wanted to protect it and make sure that it was done well, at least to my vision. Um, so yeah, hired a patent attorney in October on my credit card. I had, we had no money, um, for this venture, but that has never stopped us. Um, so brought on a patent and trademark attorney, applied for, a patent called cosmetics with safety features and came up with some initial concepts. I, a friend's son was like graduating from engineering school and he like drew up the first concepts, which now I look at and they were amazing at the time and they're not at all what we did, but it was just really cool to get a vision, starting to get a vision on paper. And then I knew we were going to need money obviously to continue. And my community, our community in Vegas has been so amazing and so supportive. So I literally um, made a PowerPoint with that image and a few other things and invited people to our backyard and invited about a hundred people. Everyone signed NDAs and we basically launched, we made like a huge charcuterie board. We had some people donate wine and other things. And then we launched the concept in our backyard really trying to gain, really gauge interest and and try to understand, like, would we have support around this concept? And it was unbelievable. The amount of excitement, 
I mean, if I showed you the PowerPoint, you'd be like, oh my God. But like the amount of excitement about the concept and, you know, what we are doing to kind of innovate this space was like so amazing. And that yeah. really like started the journey. Yeah. And you've never done this before. Nope. I've never done consumer product goods before. Um, my previous work is in nonprofit and then social enterprise building spaces. So this was a whole, a product was a whole new thing. And honestly, I think even my, my friends and husband, I think when I was like, I'm, I think I'm going to do this like lipstick make, makeup thing. They're like, okay, like, you know, let's see how it goes. And I think even my husband too was kind of like, I mean, yeah, like, I support you, like whatever you want to do, but he did not get it. And I don't even think I fully got it um, until we really started like bringing the team on and raising capital and really like, you know, putting the pedal to the metal, which was really like May of 2022. Right. So you have an idea. And the first thing most people do when they have an idea is you're going to look to see if somebody else has done it yet. Yep. And you went online and found that Nobody's done it yet. So instinctively, you're already going through the steps, kind of what you probably should do if you have a new idea in the first place. Yep, absolutely. So is anybody else doing this? What's that market look like? So here's the thing. There's nobody else doing it. And so you're kind of on your own. Uh-huh. Exactly. You, you know, lots of times in doing competitor research, you can look at other companies and and kind of see what they're doing to get an idea of what might work and what might not work. Yep, exactly. Yeah. And so in your case, it's like, all right, what's the next thing I can do to, you kind of killed two birds with one stone. First of all, you already knew you needed to raise capital to make this idea happen. Number two, is this a good enough idea that people will support and get behind? Right. I mean, I think it's that's a really important piece of it because if you don't have the support from your community and the specifically the support of people who will purchase your product, right? You right. have to know, like, I have a problem. There's a problem. I know how to solve it. But are the people I want to solve it for, do they want to, it to be solved? Are they going to want to spend their money on this? That's a really right. key component. Right. So you have the backers who think that this is also a good idea. Mm -hmm. And so to me, that's the next step is how did you go through that process of saying, all right, I have this idea. I think, I think I can make it happen, but you know, what do I do? I know it's makeup related, but how did yep. you take that next step to figure out what the product was going to be? Yeah. So we st kind of started that process with the patent because we had to, we had to put drawings down. So we put a bunch of different cosmetics and we kind of iterated potential safety features. We knew we wanted some sort of drug testing or drink testing strips to test for drugs like roofies. Um, and we looked at technology components. We looked at like a lot of different components. So we put all that in the patent at first. Um, but I also wanted user feedback. And so I launched like a, basically like a perk investor, kind of like a Kickstarter, but not on Kickstarter. Um, again, to see what people would be excited about. And so I had different perk levels and, and really just put it out to our friends and family. And I was able to raise the first $25,000 in about eight weeks, which really helped. I mean, that really catapulted us into, okay, we now have that. We can you know, pay off our credit card from the attorney. We can start really like building a pitch deck and building a team and starting to see like, what are some of the other components we're going to need from this? Um, and the other piece for me is I'm passionate. I know that when people put their money into something, often their heart goes to, if you allow it to. 
And so I'm really passionate about if people are going to invest, I want that, I want their whole hearts with me. And so I was able to kind of leverage the 50 perk investors we got at first to bring them into the fold and start engaging them into next steps and giving them updates and offering them, you know, calls or, or meetups to start really having them see the, see it unfold with me so they could get excited. And then I imagine you're also getting feedback from this group. Are are you open to that type of feedback or are you like, I have 100. this idea? No, definitely feedback. And yeah. a lot of the feedback early on, you know, we, we were like, okay, so we're learning more and more about roofie testing strips. If someone tests their drink, it takes about 13 to 30 minutes for it to metabolize in their body and then they're out. So that's great that they can test their drink, but what happens if they are drugged then? And we started getting feedback from people who'd experienced drug facilitation, like drug facilitation, either their food or beverage drug, which I had experienced as well. Um, but I wanted more cases in all different cases. And once we started gaining that feedback, which a lot of our perk investors had those experiences, we started realizing, okay, we need this technology component is imperative. We need something that people can reach out for help immediately. And we need it to be quick and ease of use. So we started really building that feedback in. And that's when we came up, came up with the panic button co- concept. Gotcha. So what are all of the components of this, this first version of your lipstick? Yeah. So it's a, it's a device with a panic button, with a Bluetooth-connected panic button on the bottom. And then there's Rufi test strips. It tests for all types of benzodiazepines. So Rufi, Xanax, Klonopin, all those things. And they're covertly placed inside. So the lipstick itself is not the drug tester. We keep, we ask that a lot. Um, the test strips are just covertly placed inside of the device. And then the lipstick, it's real lipstick, gloss or matte lipstick, depending on the color you choose. Um, and that's interchangeable. So you always have the color you want on you. And then the, the bottom kind of holds the, the panic button and the, with, with Bluetooth connection and then the test strips. And then we have a customizable safety app that the panic button interacts with. So again, we didn't, we didn't want it just to be a loud alarm. Although alarms are great. How can you engage with people? What's a sustainable tool that you can covertly get someone's attention if you're in trouble? And so our customizable safety app, you can do, we launched it with five features. You can, Call a friend with a customizable um, voice message that you write in the app. Text a friend. Again, customizable text message. You can send your location, your exact location coordinates. Um, you can sound that loud alarm. And then you can call emergency services, which is a 24-7 emergency um, with through a partner that we have called Noonlight. And they can text and call you within seven seconds. They'll know your location and they'll just reach out and kind of stay there with you if you don't feel safe or if there's an actual emergency, they'll priority dispatch 911 to your location. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. How did you how did you decide what would go in to all all of this functionality? Yeah, so a lot. I mean, so we I brought on a team of engineers. I mean, my background is not engineering or science and I knew that if I was going to you know, if I was going to build this concept, I knew I was going to need people with those expertise. Um, so we brought on a, an amazing um, software engineer team. 
we have a couple, a uh, couple fellas and a couple badass babes um, on the team, and we love, like, again, like it's we're, we love building a team of strong women, even women who've experienced this as survivors, um, and really together we talk through what is possible. Initially, we were going to do a GPS instead of Bluetooth. But what we found was there's privacy issues with that, and we didn't want to get sued out the gate. So we moved over to Bluetooth. Um, so you have to have uh, permissions with the Bluetooth. You just allow permissions with everything. Um, but yeah, when we, again, it was a lot of that feedback asking people, what would you, and what we found is some people are like, yes, I would want to call 911. And some of you are like, no way. I wouldn't trust that. I would rather call my friend or my partner or, you know, so we really wanted to make it customizable for, your own safety plan, something that you, you know, you would truly use and that you would make you truly feel safe versus more insecure or stressed out with features that you may or may not use. So that's why we kind of created something that ideal, ideally that could fit for anyone. Yeah. How much time did it take for you to put these ideas together. So you, you started with a patent and then you put the ideas together. And I think also the patent, it sounds like you went more of a general, you you did more general terminology with a patent rather than uh, defining exactly what would be included with the, with the tech on the lipstick. Is that Yeah, we really just put as many safety features as we could think of in the patent so that we could, it was pending, right? So with with a patent that's pending, you then in one year from the date, you can either extend it or you can apply for basically it to convert into the full patent, the issued patent. And we knew, we figured that in a year we could get enough of it built that we'd be ready to convert it. But right now we were so new out the gate that we just put as much stuff in there as we could. So if you look at, you can look up our patent. If you look it up, you'll see like just like tons of different concepts in there. Right. Mm -hmm. So I'm thinking this is, this is iterating as you go along. You're kind of figuring your, because there's also now you have to do it, do the thing. Now you have to build it and then you you have to package it and do all of that. In the meantime, you're still continuing to raise funds. So what I'd like to do is I, I want to get to those details of, of how you bring an actual product to market and continue yeah. down that path. But you, know, you have to have the capital to do that. And as this is all moving along, like how did you structure, uh, you know, you did Kickstarter campaign, which is a great way to see if people are going to purchase the product. Mm-hmm. And get buy-in, but you know how are you raising the capital along the way? Number one, to bring a product to market, but two, you have a family to support, yep. you know, and you also have to hire team members and all of that. Mm-hmm. So, share with us kind of high level what that looked like for you. Yeah, I think one thing that I always advise people as entrepreneurs is like, if you are going to start something out, you're not going to be paid for a long time. So you have to evaluate what that looks like for your family. For us, we've learned over the years how to live very, very simply. And so we've done things like we built a casita in our backyard so we could rent it out so that covers our mortgage. We have older cars that are paid off so we don't have car payments. Like we live on very little and are able to do that. And and we're fine sacrificing things like, you know, whatever, all the the big things that you might want because we know what the you know, what the end goal is essentially. Um, so I think that's a big one is really evaluate your finances and make sure that you can live on as little as possible because one, you're going to need to. And two, even when you start raising money, 
No investor wants you to be paid first. That's just not what they're ready for. They want it to go into the product development. Um, but then that 25000 helped us, you know, bought us a little bit of time to then um, build a pitch deck. I brought on an, an advisor, a CFO advisor, and a marketing advisor, knowing I would need both of those things to really build out how do I reach new people? How do I reach different investors? How do I reach, you know, I, my big plan was going to a lot of people that have supported me over the years, but I also knew I would need to expand my network. Um, and so that was like, that's really what I did. But I think in the beginning, I didn't even know how to raise capital like this. Like I've, I've never raised, I raise equity capital for a building. That's so much different than for a product. And what I didn't know before I started, of course, is that Femtech, which is what we're in, Femtech, but we're Femtech hardware because our product, right, has the components of technology and science. It's the hardest thing to fundraise for. And it most venture capitalists and large companies will not even fund it because it's so, there's so much risk involved in it and there's so much that could go wrong. So I learned very quickly that I was going to have to pivot who I pitched to, especially in the beginning. Because if I had no product to show them, they weren't going to give me the time of day. So I've probably pitched literally hundreds of times at this point. Um, but what I realize is the people that would believe in me are people that knew what I've done before and that I created something out of nothing two other times. So that's where I really focused my energy. And once I also had, I also had to learn, I couldn't even find anyone for the first several months to teach me how to raise capital without, I mean, we couldn't, we weren't like, you know, we didn't have a company. So like we didn't have a valuation. We didn't have any of that. And I, everyone was like, oh, well, you can't do that then. I'm like, obviously you can do it. There's people that raise money early stage. So how are you doing it then? And that's really like it. Everything came together when I brought on the CFO advisor who'd done a ton of fundraising. He's like, no problem. Like it was like, I, I swear, like the, my whole world opened up. When this, my advisor, Mike, someone in my marketing advisor actually introduced me, which by the way, this is an important point. The way I got my marketing advisor was one of my, she was one of my first hair clients in 2013. And she, we stayed in touch from 2013 to 2022 at this time. And she was like, reached out to me, was like, Hey, do you need anything? Like she was at that point in 2022 was a marketing president of a marketing company that she took from zero to a hundred million dollars. And she just reached out and was like, do you need help? Like, how can I help you? And like, just lent her time. She's the one then that introed me to Mike, who's the CFO advisor, who was literally the missing link for me. And in March of 2022, I get on a call. I literally remember because I was getting my nails done and I had only like, like a 45 minute window. So, my time was so insanely packed at that point. And I said, all right, I need to understand how to raise capital. He's like, no problem. What we're going to do is a safe note or convertible note. And he's like explaining all these details. He's like, if you want, I can send you over like a kind of a mock-up or of your budget and of like how this safe and convertible note thing works by like tomorrow. And I was like, oh, that'd be great. By 5 a.m., so 12 hours later, this guy had sent me a full budget that he created for us, as well as a full understanding of a safe note and convertible note. And how it would all work for me to bring on investors that basically 
the way it works is you don't have a valuation, you have a valuation cap. So essentially we set like a $5 million valuation cap saying you're buying in, all of our current investors are buying in stock at $5 million so that when it converts in 18 to 24 months and we're at 10 million by that time as a valuation, you're buying in at like a 50% discount. You also set like a discount rate, which we set a 20% discount. So they at least get 20% discount from the stock, but could be up to 50 to 75%, depending on what we're evaluated at. And I did not have any idea what that was, but in 48 hours, I understood it and had a budget and was ready to go and build, build the final components of my pitch deck. And it was like, that was how this company was continued to build the right people at the right time to move me on to the next spot. Yeah. I want to touch on this real quick. Relationship building. Yes. The amount of time, 13 to 22 or 21. Yep. So 2013 to 21, you met this person. Yep. And I've had a similar experience with the business I have now. Mm -hmm. The relationships that I have built over time and built, you know, five to 10 years ago helped yep. me launch my new business as well. Yep. And, you know, all that time you spent networking and all that time you spent fundraising for, you know, what you were doing in the past really mm -hmm. worked to your advantage now. It's a, it's a proof of concept of who you are and, and people's willingness to back that, right? Yep. Absolutely. I mean, this entire company was built on relationships. Every company yeah. I've, I've built was, but it's authentic relationships. And I, I honestly feel like that's very much missing with this in this level. I mean, you go to LinkedIn and people like are sending you messages out of the blue, like, Hey, read my pitch deck and support my product. And I'm like, I don't even know you. Like you just connected to me. Like I'm obviously not going to be a supporter of yours when you're just bombarding my inbox with like your information. And I just. I honestly think people feel like sometimes relationships are a waste of time because they do take time. Yeah. But if authentic, genuine relationships will literally build and bring you, my belief is like anything that you want in life, if you do cultivate them well. Right. That's, that's a very good point. Um, you know, cause again, I just want to remind everyone you had an idea, nobody else was doing it. So you can't even show people who are going to invest in your product, uh, any type of data or information that it right. could be successful. It might not mm -hmm. be successful. Right. Your joy Hoover is going to be successful. <laughs> um, you know, so you're, you're absolutely right. Genuine, authentic relationship building mm -hmm. is, is worth its weight in gold. Absolutely. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So now you're at a point where um you 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 you've raised have you gone through multiple rounds? Yep. Um we started on a well we're on pre-seed but we basically our goal was to raise $700,000 and initially our goal was 250 by the way. Um and I don't know at all but the truth is we ended up going to market at at about 300,000. So we we were able to get to market which is honestly wild to be able to get to market um, about 20 months later from just idea to actual scientific component, actual engineering component and computer software component. Um, and then to be able to do that for about 250 or about $300,000. Um, and, and, you know, really 
once I realize like I can pitch all these investors like as much as much and as often as I can, and I still do. But what I realize is I need to go to the people that are going to support me. So I created um, something called an SPV, a special purpose vehicle fund, which allows a lot of different people to come into one fund at like from basically mine was a thousand dollar minimum and up to fifty thousand dollars. And then people could come in at any amount, which then made it accessible for as many people as possible. Because again, Sometimes your $2,500 investor with their dollars, but then their heart and their passion make all the difference. And that's always how it's been in my previous experiences. Um, so yeah, I was able to raise 350000 in that way with an SPV, a few different rounds and bring people in again, like that knew me or that knew someone else that was already in the round. Um, and really start building a community with those investors. It's 60 investors. And so we do like a, I do like a quarterly, all my female founder friends are like, you do what? I do like a quarterly um, meet and greet with all my investors so that they can meet each other. So they're all, most of them are business owners. So they can share their business and they can connect with each other on different things. So it brings value to them and I get to give them updates. So they're kind of the inside information. And then I have a WhatsApp kind of that I share like things every week on just update the good, bad and the ugly, mostly the good to keep the people encouraged, but once in a while too, like the hard stuff um, to again, keep it real with people. Yeah. So you raised $350,000 with 60 people. Yes. Everybody flip through your phone right now and count the number of contacts you have in your yeah. phone. Right? And you that's a great way to get started is just and and to continue. Mhm. Exactly. Continue. All right, so we know that you have a product. Do you have you have a physical product now? Yes. And you're building an app and you have hardware, like you have yep. to build a product. So you have yep. two different components to uh, this product launch yep. and uh, share with us now where you are. Um, and, and you know, how, how did you figure out the hardware part too? Cause I think we learned how you did the software, yep. out the software side, but how yep. did you do that hardware side? Yeah. So when we were looking at patents in October of 2021, there was one thing on the market that was supposed to be a nail polish. I don't know if anyone's heard about it. You stick your finger in a drink and it changes color depending on if it's drugged or not. Um, that concept went viral years ago. And so when we did find a patent for that, I was like, oh, I wonder if this is on the market or where this at. I found the scientist on that patent and I found him on LinkedIn. Talk about like LinkedIn, like just asking people for stuff. But I reached out to him. And again, building authentic relationships. I was like, I think what you guys have done is amazing. Um, and I just started like pursuing him. I started building a relationship and like encouraging him and then starting to share a little bit of what we were doing and asking him if he'd be interested in being part of it. Because when I, I started interviewing scientists before I had a budget to hire a scientist and every scientist I met with said, yeah, I could build this for you, but I need a year and a million dollars. And I was like, we don't have either of those. Like we are not going to be able to do this. And I knew he knew how to do it. So it would save us a ton of time and money. So I pursued him from October of 2021 to May of 2022, just very slightly. And in May of 2022, he said, all right, I'll take a meeting with you. So he, I get on a Zoom call and he not only comes on the call, but he brings the head engineer from that company also on the call. And they're working together in a new company. And he says, all right, we want to hear a little bit more. And the first thing he says is, 
is it the lip gloss changing color with the drug? And I was like, no. He's like, okay, good. Cause we weren't going to do that. I was like, okay. So I find out that the nail polish technology never existed, but they ended up pivoting into a test token, like a test strip. And I was like, okay, so he knows how to do this. And, and I knew that the other guy, so it's Nick and Adam that he could potentially do the device. And really they, once I had the call with them, they were really excited. It was kind of like almost redemption for them because they, their product never like fully went to market and actualized. And they put five years into that. So I was like, we're bringing this to market guys. Like this is happening. So from May of 2022 to October of 2022, I worked with that team and built out our test strip and our device. They built a team around it. They have quality assurance people. We had a multiple engineers and multiple scientists. And because they had that expertise, we were able to build it in like literally, what is that, seven months? Um, and in October of 2022, one October 28th, 2022, one year from when the concept, we you know showed it in our backyard, we did a launch party and launched our concept with our actual prototype of the app and the and the actual lipstick. And I want to touch on this because I want to like be really clear. We created a very fancy launch party with a prototype. We didn't have product. Like we weren't launching the entire company. But we knew that if every step of the way we could get people excited and show them what we were doing, we could start selling product early. Even though we didn't have the product in hand, we had the, the prototype in hand. So they are, my whole team flew in in October of 2022. I'd never met them in person. I was building this company online with everyone. My, you know, CFO advisor in Oregon, my marketing advisor in Arizona, these guys in North Carolina, like all over. And we, they all flew in and we got to, sh these scientists are showing all of the, you know, our, our investors and our community members that came to this event, how the test strip works. We had the app, we showed the app for the first time. I wouldn't even media kept asking me like, can we see it? And I was like, no, you can't see it till after the launch party. Only my launch party people are going to see this. So it's like hold things for the people that are with you. And allow them the first opportunity to get excited about it and then to see it. Give them inside VIP access to things. And you then get excitement around that. And that was really like such a pivotal moment. I mean, I have this really funny video of me and Nick, the scientist, and me going, I mean, I, I pursued, I said, I, I was like, I mean, I stalked, I mean, I can't say I stalked. So I pursued you on LinkedIn for eight months. And he's like, you definitely made sure to get an answer from me. <laughs> like it was just this thing. Um, but like it worked and they were so excited again about seeing something. And I was like, and we're going to bring this to market like early 2023. And they're like, are you sure? Like they were so nervous, right? Because they, they're like scientists and engineer brains. And I was like, don't worry about it. We've got this. And we brought it to market. I mean, it wasn't early 2023, like I initially said, but it was July of 2023, just a few months later. And we pre-sold products. So we sold out, we had uh, $30,000 in pre-sales when we started shipping product, which I was just on a TV show launching the concept. And the first question they asked me was, okay, let me hear about your sales. And I was like, well, we shipped product six weeks ago and we had $30,000 in pre-sales. They're like, excuse me? Like that was, they were so pumped about that. But again, all along the way, we kept getting people excited and brought them in. And 
that really lent itself to like an, a phenomenal launch. Yeah. That persistence. <laughs> I was literally just having a conversation with a friend yesterday about sales and persistence yeah. and being a business owner. And you really have to learn how to ask for business. And yes. how do you handle the no's? And how many times do you reach out? And at what point in time do you just kind of give up and move on? Yeah. Um, in this situation, you know, you weren't, it wasn't sales related, but you knew that you, you had to make an, some sort of a connection with these people and this person. And it, you know, the success of your idea kind of depended on it. Yep, absolutely. Yeah. So how did you do that cold call? And what did that, what was six months? Yeah. Almost eight. Out? Yeah. Almost eight. Yeah. yeah. I think when you're an entrepreneur, like exactly what you said, it's like you can't take the nose personally because it really isn't about you. It's typically about them. Now, if you're just being annoying, then it is about you. So you need to evaluate that. Honestly, you need to ask yourself. But for me, I'm everything that I do, I'm motivated by impact. Like money really doesn't motivate me. I mean, a little bit, but honestly, it's like 90% impact. And I truly like believe in what we're doing. And so I knew that this guy was busy. He had a ton going on, but I also knew from like, I, I read up on him. That's the other thing is don't just like cold reach out without knowing anything about the person. Google them, look them up, see like what they're about. And I could tell from everything that he shared publicly that he was really passionate about this concept. So everything I said was really like about the impact we could make together. And it wasn't incessantly annoying. Like he was like, oh, sorry, I just had a new baby. And I was like, congratulations on the new baby, you know? And like one, the next time when I checked in, I'm like, hope your new baby's good, you know? And I meant it. Like I'm not, I'm not just blowing smoke. Like I genuinely care. Um, but yeah, I think it's persistent. You know, they say 10 no's for one yes. I think in fundraising and in business, it's like a hundred, maybe a thousand. Like it's crazy amounts. I was just telling Phil that. And the no's do get discouraging. Like they really do. And sometimes you just have to regroup, right? It's like there there was one uh, venture. I typically don't get sad about the no's unless I know that I didn't do my best. That's like the biggest thing for me. My gauge is not if they say yes. My gauge is did I do my best? Did I give them everything I could? And there's only been a few times where I didn't and I literally like I wasn't fully prepared or I didn't fully read an email that they wanted or something like that. And I just didn't give it to them. And that rattled me. Mm. But again, it's just regrouping. And my advisor's really good at that too. He constantly reminds me of things. And if I get really nervous about a pitch ahead of time, he's like, this is not going to make or break you. This one pitch is not going to make or break you. Like, Go into it, have fun, give them all you got. And then if it doesn't happen, you're ready for the next one. So that was really helpful for me that every experience I had, I started taking it as, okay, another one in my belt. Now I'm going to, you know, I'm going to nail the next one because I know I had that one memorized. So it really is about building your confidence and you can build your confidence in the nose if you're continuing to get better, even if you're getting nose. Right. How do you know how to get better? Because lots of times when you get a no, it could be a non-response. Yeah. 
or just a no or not at this time. But how do you personally figure out, you know, once you get that no, what you can do to be better? Yeah. I mean, I always ask for feedback. So I ask it and try it a really genuine way. Like, thank you so much for taking time to share that. If you would share any feedback, my goal is always to get better. It would be really helpful for me. That's a big way. If they don't do it, then you evaluate yourself. Oftentimes I record myself so I can rewatch it. Um, or I'll just take that time to kind of hear their like nonverbal feedback is also very important. So if you see them kind of giving like asking a question they don't understand something the way you said it or giving kind of the side eye on something, that's a mental note for you to go back and go, what's not clear about that? And sometimes it's just that they don't get it. You know, I'm working in a concept where unfortunately a lot of men don't understand because they don't understand, they've never dealt with the issue. So I, I don't give a lot of weight to someone going, why are you doing that when they've never dealt with it? But if it's like a component of it, then I try to take that. Like initially I was talking a lot about this product for trafficking survivors and other things because that was my background. And I noticed that people were getting really, really hung up on that. Like, especially if they knew the trafficking world, they're like, well, how are they going to get that away from their pimp? And how are they going to do this and this and this? And I'm like, okay, you're missing the point. Like, while it definitely can help that population, it can help all of us because this product is for literally anyone who just wants to keep safer, whether you're on a date or you're in an extreme situation. So again, it's always just pivoting what you're doing. And sometimes it's just being like, they just don't get it. Okay, I'm good. I'm going to keep moving. So you, you, I don't know. I don't know the exact answer other than trust your gut and really evaluate and be honest with yourself. We can lie to ourselves very well. So you really have to decide, like, do I want to learn from this or do I want to feel right about it? And that's when you have to decide and then make your move. Yeah. And the way we're talking about this now is it seems like this easy thing to do along the way where you're right. You're putting your heart and soul out there and all your blood, sweat, and tears, and then you're getting no after no after no. Yeah. And you, and you are very public about those moments in time when you are down and are yeah. not feeling your best and you know, you're, you might need to lay in bed all day today. Yep. And uh, describe what you go through personally to move through those moments in time where, you know, you might be questioning yourself or you're getting all those no's and you're not sure what to do next. What do you do? Yeah, I think it's important. I, I'd always joke and say I don't quit, but I quit for a day. So there are times where like, I'm like, I literally can't do this tomorrow. And so I'm like, I'm done for the day. I'm not going to check my email. I'm not, I'm going to shut the business world out and just kind of go in my cocoon for a day. And that could be watching Netflix all day. It could be, you know, eating my favorite snacks. It could be dance parties with my kids, or it could be like, I'm in a state of like panic attacks and I'm just having to push through it. And none of that is fun, particularly, and none of it is easy. But what I remember, what I always tell myself is if you wait until tomorrow to quit, you, you probably won't. And I never, I try not to, I, I honestly try to be, again, be honest, because I get ruminating thoughts. I struggle with anxieties. I have struggled with depression in the past. And a lot of this stuff can push me into that very quickly, make me feel like I'm not worthy. But I am disciplined in my mind enough to say these thoughts are valid, but they're not true. 
This is a ruminating thought. This is a ruminating experience. And, and I ask myself often, okay, you're thinking this thought. Is it true? Are you a failure? Have you failed so much in your life? Does no one believe in what you're doing? You know, all these things that we think. And then I give myself the evidence that it's not true. And I think that's why it's very important to have your community, right? Mm-hmm. Have that group of people who know $350,000 in, in people's money got you here. So are you really not valuable? Are you really not enough? Like, you know, so it's, it's really important to show, know your accomplishments. But honestly, sometimes it's just like, you know what? I'm having a day and I'm just going to sit in this for a day and I'm going to come back out tomorrow. And weekends tend to be that for me because if, when I give myself more space to process, I can get really mentally difficult for me. So I, I've tried to like build stuff out to kind of like prepare myself for things or like a big drop after like a success, after a big event or like the show we were just on. Like I, there's typically a huge drop. And so I try to prepare myself for those drops knowing they're coming and it, I'm going to get out on the other side. Where do you find that, that ultimately at the end of the day, where do you find the drive to continue on? Um, we hear this so often, you keep going, keep going. And you are a person when, when I see somebody say, keep going, I think about you, (laughs) you know, where do you find the ability to keep going? Even if you don't know what tomorrow holds, even if you don't know what the final answers are, or if this even thing is going to happen. Yeah. You know, I like to say stubbornness and I think that has (laughs) a lot to do with it. I'm very stubborn, but I also, I think it's the discipline of hope. And what I mean by that is if you can wake up and truly believe that you have the ability to make something better, then you can keep going. And the other thing I tell myself is my business could change with the next person I meet, either for the better or the worse, honestly, right? With entrepreneurship, we know the roller coaster. And we know that like we could meet, again, I met, I met Mike. I got the scientist. I got, right? It's like the one right person pushed me into a, a, a over a hump that I was like, how am I going to get over this? So for me, it's getting up going, what is my impact going to be today? And how can I continue to hope that I can do something about it? But the other thing is, it's your why and it's who motivates your why. My daughters are a huge why for me. Like, they are literally our heart and soul. And I will literally not stop until this world is better for them. They deserve so much. We all deserve better. But they do not deserve to live in a world where they are, they walk around afraid, where they worry about their body or what they're wearing or, you know, all these different things that we all worry about. They deserve better than that. And so when I look at their little faces, and they're very, also very encouraging. I'm so lucky to have a family who are my biggest fans. I saw, I actually found um, uh, uh, basically like a letter that Phil had written, which was an intro to one of the awards that I won in 2019. It was like this yesterday, I was like reading it, like crying. Um, But Find your people, know that they believe in you and have them talk some sense into you and also just muster up that hope or that why so when you continue to get knocked down, you can get back up. 
And look, if you're listening and you have other people in your life that you care about, be the person that stands up for the person who's having a day, right? 100%. Be that person and find those people. 100%. Yeah. What are the next steps for SOS Cosmetics? Yeah. So next steps, we're still, I mean, we're still pushing. So we we were manufacturing in Vegas. That was another big component. It's like, okay, now that we have the product, how do we find a manufacturer? We happen again through relationships. Um, a, a friend introduced me to a manufacturer here. Then another friend friend um, introduced me to a lipstick manufacturer here in Vegas. Um, so we're really working on getting the back end supply chain handled, making sure that we can produce products at the efficiency we want, at the integrity, like, you know, the level of excellence we want, and then and then eventually at the amount that we want. That's proven to be one of the hardest parts of this. So it's been really, really frustrating. Um, but again, you just keep showing up. So um, that's really what I'm continuing to find more and more people to give me insight, continuing to ask more questions and find new ways to continue to iterate um, so we're really working right now on um, getting that supply chain handled while raising funds, while continuing to market our brand and get the word out. Um, we're doing Life is Beautiful this weekend, which is really exciting in Vegas, a huge festival. So again, we don't even have that much product left. We're almost sold out of our second run, um, but we're going to bring as much as we have. And then we're going to, again, cater to our audience, continue finding our audience so we can bring them into what we call the lipstick revolution. Because for us, it is about product sales, but it's also about building a community of people that feel safe and know are educated on how to heal and how to help support other people. Um, so that's really important to us. Um, but yeah, we, we're still raising money. It looks like we're probably going to launch um, like a, a crowdfunding um, either Kickstarter or equity crowdfunding in October to raise another $300,000 so that we can kind of um, ideally we can amend our product and start manufacturing in high, high volumes. And by high volumes, I mean from instead of a thousand at a time, 10,000 at a time. Mm. So all these things are, you know, key components to what we're doing, but it's one step in front of the other. And it's continuing to remember what our goals are and remember our why as we continue moving forward. Life lesson, right? Nothing happens perfectly the first time. We've used <laughs> a lot of words in this conversation, like rounds of funding, versions of software, yeah. um, iterations, product iterations. And you know, even in relationship building, who can I speak to that's going to get me to the next person? So right. things happen in chunks and little chunks along the way. Yeah. You're ultimately trying to get to that version that you're ready to say, okay, this is good enough. It's mm -hmm. never, it's never perfect, but it's good enough to put yep. out there and that, you know, then you just continue to improve from there. So if you're yep. on the entrepreneurship journey, keep that in mind. It's one step at a time. Absolutely. Someone told me early on, if you're not a little bit embarrassed about your first run of product, you're, you've, you've waited too long to go to market. Yeah. And I will tell you, like the first product we had, we iterated something four days before we started shipping it, and it was not what I wanted at all. I was so pissed off and embarrassed, like had a moment in my bed again crying. Like I was just like, I don't want to get this into people's hands. But at that moment, you have to weigh out 
what you want and what's the right next right thing. And sometimes you don't know the next right thing. But what proved to happen is that we sent it out and then people had a lot of questions. And what I was able to do with that is then do a ton of Zoom phone calls, FaceTimes with customers all literally in 40 states. People found us on TikTok, people. And I was able to build customer loyalty by just spending 15 to 20 minutes walking them through their product. And if something wasn't right, immediately, you know, getting them a new one or letting them know we're already iterating a new panic button, which we're doing right now. We're shipping now our, our V2 button to everyone for free because our first one didn't come out the way we wanted to. And that is building loyalty with the customers because we're constantly reminding them that their safety is our number one priority. And I had a girl on TikTok that um, I'd never met before, but I jumped on like a, a Zoom call with her and, and she was like, she, she was like, I couldn't get my bottom off, but I used a, a butter knife. And I was like, oh my God, like I want to hide under the desk right now. And I just, I just kept the conversation going and I was like, hey, I'm so sorry that you're, you know, it wasn't exactly what we promised you. I want you to know that your safety is our number one priority. So we're going to get that ship back and we're going to get you what a product you deserve. And she looked at me and she goes, we know our safety is your number one priority. We feel that through TikTok. And I was like, oh my God, who is this girl? So like, just be, be honest. I don't be too honest. Honestly, that's another thing I'm learning. Like, don't put all your business out. I didn't four days before my product was shipping be like, oh my God, right? I was just like, all right, we're going to do this. And then had those individual conversations, but always make it right with your customers and always continue realizing like you're going to mess up. Be, be honest to what you need to with your customers and always figure out a way to make it right. And if that's taking time with them or new product or whatever, that will go a long way a long way. Yeah, I think we've fallen far from that. And so I know for me personally, anytime I experience a product where there's also the customer support and the caring mm -hmm. behind it, it certainly makes a big difference. Absolutely. Um, and, and with this product, I think you have to be right. Yeah. 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 And show, show them genuine connection. I mean, honestly, like social media, it's like you talk a lot about it, creating your business. Like it's imperative for you to connect with your clients. So if they are on social media, which most of our clients are, then you need to show heart and compassion through that. Don't just like put stuff out because it looks cute or whatever. Like we're kind of over that hump, right? Gen Z doesn't care as much about aesthetic as they much about authenticity so much more than that. So just be honest with them, build heart. It was like so sweet. Last week I had someone, um, I had like done again, kind of off the cuff post where I was like, Hey, if you've experienced drink spiking or narcissistic abuse, I want you to hear this. And it was like all these people that kept telling me I'm so stupid. And I'm like, you're not so stupid. These people are abusive and they're literally career criminals. And you shouldn't know because you would never do that. You know? And I just like shared this like heartfelt message, just kind of off the cuff. And someone commented and she's like, you're such a genuine brand. Like I'm so like, I feel so connected to you because I can tell that you care. People can tell if you care. Like it's not about faking it till you make it. I don't even like that saying at all. I think face it till you make it, you know, learn until you make it, like try again until you make it. Like 
you know, all those things, but make it authentic to yourself. And if the journey is authentic and people can see that, they're going to give you a lot more grace and connection. Agreed. Agreed. All right. I have an idea. I, okay. This is just theoretically speaking. Uh-huh. I have an idea and I want to bring it to market. Where do you start? What's what's your advice for somebody who who has this idea? And we've we've talked through your journey, but yep. now that you know better, um, if you could do it all over again, what what would be that that first reach out or that first phone call? Yeah, I think the first thing, if you have an idea, is just research it. Look and really see has this been done before. If it has been done, has it been done the way you want it done? You know, really understand. Are you new to market? Because every investor is going to ask you, how are you different? And you need to know that. So really, really look at it. Then I always like, I really think bringing an attorney on, especially if it is something that you're going to try to get a patent for or trademark, you need to know if that's possible. They'll do global searches to see what is out there. Then you can again, evaluate it again. Then you need to get, you know, apply for that. And then you need to bring people in to start asking them questions if they're going to support it. You can take those, like if you, you know, I would say don't trust people as much as you think you want to trust people, which I learned that the hard way in life. But make sure that your concept is really, really researched and then protected before you tell too many people about it. That's a really important piece of it. Um, Even the people closest to you sometimes will can and will turn on you. And unfortunately, that's the world that we live in. So don't trust people until they prove that trust and still don't trust them 100%. That's my goal, but that might be jaded me, but that's just what I, that's my suggestion. Once you have the proof of concept, you have it protected and you have your audience in mind, then go to them to start raising funds, whether that's a crowdfunding, whether that's, um, you know, a, an SPV like I did, um, you know, try to, Find a few people that can join your team, likely for equity, because you're not going to have cash in the beginning. So find a few people that are good at things you're not. For me, it was finance. It was like the big picture marketing stuff. And then it was the scientific and um, engineering components. So fill those gaps because you're going to need to. Don't settle for people that will just want to help you because just because they want to help you doesn't mean they should be the right people to help you. That's a really important part. The reason we got to market so quickly and so efficiently is because I had the right people in the right seats the first time. Um, if you if someone comes into your business and they say they're going to do something and they don't, remove them quickly and move on. Don't like put a lot of you know emotion into it or anything. Just keep moving because you don't have time to waste and don't take too much emotions into it. Just keep it moving. And then really continue building that community, building the community of people that care about it, building the um, community of people that are going to fund it and build your brand. We didn't talk a ton about brand building, but it's imperative that you build your brand. Your brand is what's going to continue attracting and getting people excited about it. So make sure you have um, a name that attracts people, uh, like your colors and your logo and like that kind of stuff that gets people excited. I mean, our first logo was not cute, but it was like something kind of interesting. You're going to iterate it and that's fine, but make sure that you have something and then make sure that you can get the name that you're choosing on every social platform on your website. So again, you have like name recognition, brand recognition, and then you have product recognition from the people that are supporting you. Right. And I want to add branding isn't just a logo or just colors. 
Absolutely. It's also, what is your messaging? How are you going to connect with, you have two audiences, really. You have people who are backing your product and you and your business, and then you have who you're selling to. What is that branding and messaging? And what does that story look like? That's just a huge part of branding that I think is often missed. And the Mm -hmm. sooner you can start down that path, again, you're going to iterate, Mm -hmm. but um, the better kind of is part of that packaging. Yep. hundred percent. And I pick, we pick three words that we like aligned with and we try to, for our, like our exterior brand um, and kind of how we align things. I don't know if I can say them on here. I can say two of them. Um, but it's bright. Okay. Our three words are bright, inclusive, and a little bit of fuck you. And we have like trauma informed, um, people under edge cause I didn't even talk about our education component or our social impact component of our brand, but a little bit of fuck you is actually trauma informed. It's going like, I expect this way that I'm going to be treated and I'm going to stand up for myself. And what we found is, that third line is what pulled a lot of people into our space because it was like, we're not really afraid to say how it is and to stand up for ourselves. And I think that we, especially as women and lipstick wearers in our communities are at a space where we're ready to step up and step in. And we're seeing that around the world, right? Um, And so that really resonated with people during this time. Um, and it got people really excited. But I would say you said two different audiences, and I agree with you. But one thing that I did differently in SOS that I've done in any of my other businesses is I've aligned people with my full self. And if people didn't align with my full self, then I said no to them as far as like investing or partnering with me. Because I think the full authentic, I know the full authentic me is the best me. And so I was ready to say no to people that didn't accept the full me and to not hold back. Again, not being rude or disrespectful, but to not hold back into what I truly believe with my whole heart and what I really want to see in the world. So true. Mm-hmm. It just ties into everything we've talked about today. Yep. I SOS, where do you see this brand uh, 10 years from now? We're not even going to do five. I mean, I have lots of goals. Like really what's cool about SOS is that we can partner our device and our technology and our test strips with any lipstick brand. So we're really not in competition with anyone. We can really come alongside everyone. So that's really my goal. But I would love to also find um, one specific brand that we're able to partner with and that eventually acquires us that we can expand it globally. Um, And then – you know, our education component is we want to be in every college. We want our product and our education and our information to be in every college. Again, this is a this is a problem we can solve. The epidemic of sexual and domestic violence, we don't have to live like this. So we truly want to end the epidemic, which doesn't mean we're going to end the problem, but we're going to end the epidemic of it increasing by 2.9% year over year. I don't know if we're going to do that in 10 years, but we're sure as hell going to try. Um. And then, you know, our goal, we have a, a, we're a social enterprise, B Corp. So our goal is to give back to the four charities that we picked. We'll continue iterating on those, but we want to invest in the nonprofits and the groups of people that are working on the ground with survivors. There is not enough money and not enough time and not enough resources to, even if we did fight this, there's still millions of people who've been affected by it. I mean, even when we do end the epidemic. 
there's still going to be people uh, affected and the, the the effects last sometimes a lifetime for people. So we need to provide adequate resources. Um, our goal on the app is to actually add in resources to our app. So we want to have an OBGYN, an attorney, and um, what's our third? Oh, a doctor. Uh, that is the, oh, therapist. So our goal on the app is to actually get resources that are at people's fingertips. Again, because if something happens or you have questions, if something, you know, what is true about what's happening, um, typically the three resources you need are therapists, attorneys, and a doctor, an OBGYN. So those are some of the big things. But I mean, the sky is the limit. Let's be honest. You know, when, when a lot of my investors early on asked me like, okay, so what's your goal to get this company to? Like, where do you want to go? And I was like, this is, this is a billion dollar idea. Like lipstick is a multi, is a multi-billion dollar industry. And ours is the only one that could save your life. And we own the patent on it. So no one else can do it. It's cosmetics with safety features. And our patent is, as our attorneys say, epic. Um, so I'm really excited for all that it can do. And all of it lies, really relies on us continuing to move forward. And that's what we're going to keep doing. Yes. That's what I'm talking about. All right. Where can people find you, support you, um, buy your products, all the things? Yeah. So SOS, it's E-S-O-E-S cosmetics.com is our website. And then find us on Instagram, TikTok, um, Facebook, and Threads. I guess that's our new one now. Um, SOS, E-S-O-E-S cosmetics. Um, and yeah, we have we don't have many products left. But if you're listening to this and you're like, I have to have one, you might be able to get one. I don't know. Um, and also LinkedIn, we're there too. But yeah, join in, jump on, you know, the lipstick revolution. Everyone is welcome. Um, and we're really excited to work together. We, you know, I use the word link arms, right? We're linking arms to really like break down barriers and to really fight a problem that all of us care about and or have experienced or should care about if we don't. <laughs> well, I love it. I love you. You, the place where you come from is, is, uh, just so admirable. And, um, thank you so much for sharing this small bit of your story on the podcast. And, uh, I appreciate you. Yeah. Thank you so much.